0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavuta, Yerdena Ozband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Pesachim, daf Yod Gimel, page 13. Um, I'm going to start off really at the top of the daf um, and discuss, we're going to begin with the discussion of, there's a machloket of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir, which the next generation comes to talk about who's, who, who is the halacha in accordance with. And it's interesting, you know, that there's so much discussion that takes us so far afield. And then at some point, they kind of hunker down and start to address what is the halacha? am Rav Nachman, am Rav, Halacha Karebi Yehuda. So Rav Nachman says, the halacha is like Rav Yehuda. I'm Rav Nachman, the name of Mar Halacha Karebi Mayer. Distan Lantana Kavate. But but it's not so simple, of course, because uh, because Rava comes and says to Rav Nachman one second. The is of course, according to Rabbi Mayer, because the whole statement of the Mishnah, the original Mishnah that we spoke about the other day, um, has no, has no um, identify. it's no, what's the word? No author. Nobody Nobody's name is affiliated with that statement. And we have a policy. There's a policy well known. We've talked about it before as well, that Stam Mishnah, Rabbi Mayer, that if a Mishnah is unidentified as a to a particular author or a holder of the position, then it goes to Rabbi Mayer. And we've talked about the fact that really Rabbi Meir's halacha is following in the lines of Rabbi Akiva, um, who was his teacher, basically, right? So the Gemara continues, So the Gemara the Mishnah says, no, the Gemara says that we learned in the Mishnah that for the entire time that one is permitted to eat the chametz himself, he can feed his animals, right? So then there's no, that whole delay time where a person is prohibited from eating the chametz, Right. The question is, could you feed the animals during that time, and that's part of the discussion. And that's why they say it must be according to Rabbi Mayer, because that's the fifth hour, which Rabbi Huda had said is prohibited. Let me take this a step back and explain again. So what happens? We know that Rabbi Huda's position is you have to stop eating at the fourth hour, and you burn in the sixth hour. And Rabbi Mayer says you have to stop eating in the fifth hour, which is an hour later, and you burn in the sixth hour. They agree about when you burn, so we're going to leave that aside. So now the question is fourth versus fifth. And the statement here seems to be that the whole time that you could feed your, that you could eat the chametz, you could feed your animals. And that seems to be without an, uh, a middle hour. The middle hour is Rabbi Huda's position, right, that you stop eating, and then you have this kind of buffer zone that we've talked about, and then you could, then you have to burn. So if that's the case, it seems to be that it's Re- Rebbe Mayer's opinion. Now, of course, the Gemara is going to have an issue with this, because that's how we go back and forth. mishum mutar. So the Gemara says, one second, that Mishnah is not a Stam Mishnah. It's not an unattributed statement to begin with, because it's in accordance with the view of Rebbe, Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel, right, so, so once you know that, then you can't say this is unattributed, because it's supposed to line up. It's by definition to be that the it was in accord with Rebbe mayer where he you know in fact um the, with with the idea that Rebbe mayer would say that it's permitted it's still going to be difficult but that's what he's talking about that he could that's what he could eat that the animal could eat the feed i'm sorry i'm tripping over myself but i'm going to move on in any case um because i want to i want to get to the re, the substance i think between rava and rav nachman in trying to figure out who is allah according to again Rebbe Yehuda or Rebbe mayer my name are so then Rava says, uh, "We're going to say, well, what about he?" Rava saying to Rav Nachman, "Do you want to say that it's really according to Rabban Gamliel? Meaning, not Rabbi Meir, but that statement, that Stam statement, that's not a Stam statement. It's not an unattributed statement. We line it up with Rabban Gamliel. So, so then let the halacha be according to him, right? Why not the Havelay Machria, right? He can be the decisor. He can be the person who who determines what the halacha is between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir." As soon as you have a third voice, right? There's that's a big advantage. Amar Rabban Gamliel love Machriahu tam de nafshe amar. So then the presumption is Rav Nachman, right? Rav Nachman says that Rabban Gamliel is not the Machriah; he's not the decisor because he's giving his own reason. He's not siding with Rabbi Yehuda versus Rabbi Meir. He's got his whole his whole other rationale, and Rabbi Rabban Gamliel's rationale is going to take us further afield because Rabban Gamliel is distinguishing between. When you stop eating truma, right? Truma. Let's just define this, right? Truma is the gifts, basically, that all of Bnei Israel give to the Kohanim to eat because they don't have their own fields and everything like that. So they're supposed. To, so they eat from the gifts that the people give to the Kohanim, and that food, as we've been talking about now for months, right? Truma is hektesh. Truma is kodesh. It is dedicated to the Beit Hamikdash, it, and once it is sanctified you run into real trouble to use it for any other purpose than the one that it has been designated for. That's really, I would say, that hektesh or kedusha, part of what that definition means is that something that has been separated off, it has been designated, um, and in this case designated to be the food of the kohanim, to eat b'tahara. They have to eat it after having gone to a mikvah. They can't be tameh and impure, and they have to They eat it. Uh, I was going to say they have to eat it in the Beit HaMikdash, but I don't think that's true. They eat truma wherever they are, meaning kohanim wherever they are. Um, but still, it has to be sanctified. Is that yes. true? You eat, you eat
1: truma wherever you are, because remember oh. the Kohanim weren't always there because of the Mishmarot system and things like that. Like, but right, you, right. right, But but if you had tame truma, you could not bring that into the Beit Hamikdash.
0: Thank you, thank you for that clarification. Um, okay, so then the question is, you know, what are you supposed to do? You're the Kohen, You're eating your truma. Your truma is chametz. Do your does your is your time zone for when you have to stop eating your Truma chametz, chametz truma, at the same time as everybody else, and the question is also you're talking about sacred food, this designated kosher food, uh, not kosher tahar tahor food. It, you know that's going to be the the that's going to be the question, right? Where does this? How does this fall in? So the Gemara continues. if you want to say Rav d'Amarki Haytana, so Rav said the halacha is according to the opinion of Reb Yehuda. Because we have a brighter mi- that says as follows, and presumably this is, in, you know, this is going to line up. The 14th falls out on Shabbos, um, which which can happen, right? Meaning so that the first day of Pesach
1: begins Mozi Shabbat. It actually Isn't happens not- this year.
0: Oh, yay, lucky us. It's always complicated because exactly this question. We're now, now we have a prime case to talk about where you have to finish eating your chametz long before what you usually would do on a Shabbat, both in terms of lunchtime and certainly in terms of sheet, forget about it, because you can't eat matzah then because you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be savoring the taste of matzah at the, at the Seder. So, so. I'm I'm glad for the case study, but we'll come back to our, our Gemara now, right? So we have, So what you do to prepare is you make sure that you burn all your chametz before Shabbat. The issue being, of course, you can't burn the chametz on Shabbat because that's a violation of Hilchot Shabbat in terms of burning, right? It's not about chametz then, it's about Shabbos. So now this is a question, can you burn the truma Right, the hectic, the same hectic. So can you burn the truma in advance in the same way that you would burn the regular non-truma food? Um, so, the idea is that you could burn impure truma, meaning something that has been dedicated to the Beit HaMikdash, to the Kohenim. It can no longer be used as regular food because it's supposed to be truma, but somehow it's been rendered tame, and now it can't be eaten because you can't eat truma, betuma, batu- meaning it doesn't work. It's now rendered. Uh, forgive me, but kind of useless, right? So, what are you supposed to do with it? Can you burn it on? Can you, you could should you be able to burn it before Shabbos. So here it says, "V'sorfin trumot tmeot, min mazon shte sudot ad arba So this Braita says you can burn everything except for leave two meals over so that you have enough tahor truma your Shabbat meals, meaning this is what the Kohen should do—that he should eat his meal at night, regular Friday night chametz meal, and then a meal of chametz until Ad Arba Shaot. Now that, of course, is Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda's time zone, right? Ad Arba Shaot, and this Braita is attributed divrei Rabbi ben Yehuda Ish Bartota. This is Rabbi ben Yehuda. That's his. That's his opinion. That he's the Breitah is ascribed to him. And he says in the name of Rabbi Joshua. So this should be, you know, theoretically, this is going to be authoritative. But no. Amr lo, Amrulo, the sages said to him, meaning the sage said to Rav. Um no. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who this who they're who they're objecting to, but it's an objection on this Breita. Lo you don't burn Tahor Truma, meaning Truma that is perfectly good. There's no reason to burn it. You can't burn it. Meaning, it's not yet Pesach. It's not yet Erev Pesach when it's Asur. It's still totally viable. And when you come to destroy Truma, that's got its own prohibition, and it's not an easy one. Meaning, it's called Me'ila. To be Ma'al means to desecrate that which has been sanctified. So this is what it says. Taharot harot lo yisarfu, sheba yimtzu'ula and ochlin. What if they would have a need to eat it later? Right? There will be that there could be other people who might want to be able to eat it on Shabbat. And now you've destroyed something that really could have had a use. And you've been and you've desecrated the truma. Amar lehen, kfar b'kshu v'lo They already looked around to see who could eat the truma and they found that nobody else could. Amrulo, shema, chutz l'chomalano. What if somebody slept outside the wall? They walk in over Shabbos, they could eat in the morning, right? There's always another person that you might be able to feed. I find it very interesting that the Gemara, the Chazal here are taking the Jewish mother stance on, on the need for food, to keep the food around. <laughs> so then he says, but according to what you're saying, then even the same Truma that you're not sure what's going to be, you should maybe not burn that either. And so, and here I really love this answer. These these Truma, there's a status of a truma that's an in between thing. Like they're not really sure did it become, was it rendered, uh, make, and you use it, you can't use it. So the answer is you're not supposed to really use it, but Elial will come and and paskin, and maybe his psak will be that in fact that it's tahur. And then if it's tahur, then you're good to eat it at least until our Ar- until Arba Shaot. Amrul. So the Gemara says, don't worry, Eliyahu won't be coming to Paskin on your Truma, because he's not coming on Shabbos, and he's not coming on Arab Shabbos. We already know this, because they that Eliyahu would not come, because it would be a burden for people when they're supposed to be enjoying their Shabbos or the Chag. So this is just priceless and amazing, because... You know, on the one hand, the idea that you might have a halachic requirement to hold on to your Trumot because Eliyahu might come and Paskin is already uh, a pretty dramatic reason to Paskin what you're going to do with this Trumot tluyot. And then, and then the answer, right, this idea that, no, you don't just, have to sorry, worry just about to it.
1: everybody. Uh, you know, this was a whole discussion in Eruven and Mem Gimel, you know, what time, uh what time? I, I believe it was Daphne What when? When can Eliyahu come or not come? So it's interesting to sort of see that. Tra- like this must have just been something that was accepted as fact.
0: Um, I don't know if it's accepted as fact. The fact that they need to say it, I think, is it makes it ex- all the more interesting, right? No, we paskin. They paskin. Right. We it's know like he sac- can't. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: right. right? Mm-hmm.
0: So. You know, the the whole of this, I think, is very interesting in terms of the concern of what you're going to do with your truma. And then, of course, you know, any appearance of Eliao is, you know, or any, in this case, Psoc, that Eliao will not appear is always going to be, um, you know, very valuable. Also, it shows, right, that they that there's a lot of hovering opinions here over what should really happen. If Eliao comes and he will answer and they'll be able to carry on the merry way, confident that they have done the right thing. So, Amru, Lozazu misham, So they said they did not move from there. Meaning, they said this is, we can argue this till the chaos come home, and still it's going to be a problem. Those are not the words here of the Gemara, of course, right? They just said lo zazu from misham. They did not move from there. ben mishum, They did not move from there until the sages voted, whatever it was that they did, to Paskin that the halacha is going to be in accord with that. Breita, which again was that they could burn the truma in, a, in addition to everything else, the truma tumea and the t- truma tuya and all the rest of the truma that was not needed to be set aside for the meals for Friday night and Ad Arba Sha'ot until the fourth hour on Shabbos day, they could do it in advance. But the question of whether they're really allowed to burn that truma is a really interesting one, I think. And it's even surprising yeah. to me that in the end they Pascha, that you can burn it, uh, that you should, that you have to, because... Again, the question is, you know, competing competing priorities. You know, you want to get rid of your chametz. You have to get rid of your chametz. You're not allowed to own chametz. You're not allowed to use chametz. But on the other hand, if this is truma and it's hektesh and you burn it, now you very well may be desecrating something if there would ever be a use for it before it became us or prohibited on Shabbos when it became Pesach. It's complicated. It's,
1: it's, it's super complicated. And again, for a Gemara that's trying to get to the Pesach halacha, it's interesting, you know, how integrate this this Gemara gets. Um, this question about burning Truma uh, is going to be important for tomorrow's stuff as well. So just a little sneak peek um, as we get to your because there's going to be some other issues that get brought up uh, with burning, specifically burning Truma um, and thinking a little bit about the source of why it actually became Tame. Um, I'm going to jump down before we wrap up this episode and just want to talk about one thing that was on Ahmed uh, Bet which is it goes back to this section of the Mishnah about how did people know uh, when it was time to stop eating chametz and then when to burn the chametz. And right the Mishnah described that there were these two uh, loaves of bread that were put out. Um, and one of the details that the Mishnah gives is that they were psulot. They were pasul in some way. right They were disqualified in some way. So the Gemara asks here, am I Psulot, right? What do you mean they were disqualified? I'm a Rabbi Chanina. Rabbi Chanina says, shayu right? So he says, because there were so many, many what, meaning korban todaz, right? So there was a particular type of korban that you could bring, like the korban of Thanksgiving, I guess would be the English way of, trans- of translating that. And there would be so many of them that th- this piece, the bread that had to be brought with it, the chametz that had to be brought with it, the Kohanim needed to eat and they basically, they, bilina, they were left overnight because the whole thing, you know, uh, uh, for those of you who may not be aware, when you give a korban, um, you only have a certain amount of time to eat the pieces or the the person who brings the, depending on the korban, the person bringing the korban or the coin who gets some of the meat or other things, the bread, other pieces that could be brought with the korban, you only have a certain period of time that you can eat it. You don't have like a week. You're not allowed to have leftovers. There's no leftovers of Corbanos. So uh, it's its own prohibition. Right. Right. It's its own prohibition and you get, an, it's, it's not a good thing to do. So the Corban Todah, you only have one night basically to eat. So the idea here would be that there were so many Corban Todahs being brought. If you think about it this way, because why it's right before, a, before Regal, right before one of the, the three times that people had to come up. And so often people would sort of leave or wait to bring their korban note when they happened to be in Yerushalayim, right? Like, I don't think you would necessarily go a fifth time or a fourth time during the year. You would just go when you had to be a regel, And that's when you would bring, so the days before people would bring all of these korban todas, uh you, you know, to um, uh, to bring them. And so the point Rabbi Hanin is saying is that basically like, there just literally wasn't enough kohanim to eat all of that bread. <laughs> and so it was left overnight and then it became pasul. Um, tanya, and so then the the Gemara explains, Ein you can't bring a korban todah on Pesach Mi because it has chametz, because you have to bring uh, these loaves of bread with it, um, uh, you know, with, uh, and it's many loaves of bread, actually, uh, that you have to bring with a, uh, with a korban todah. But then the Gemara goes ahead and says, Pshita, like, all right, well, that would be obvious that you can't bring it because it has Hametz in it. Amaravada bar Ravada Barava right? So Ravada Barava says, hachabar ba'asar askinan. So again, here we're talking about on the 14th. And it's just so interesting to again see that this day of the 14th, even though it's not the first day of Pesach, really has its own special status, like in the Jewish calendar, with its own set of halachot, There's really no other Arab Chag of any other holiday that I think has anything else like this 14th of Nisan, right? So he says, no, we're specifically dealing with the 14th of Nisan. That's what Rabbah Devar Abba says. Because, hapsul, right, because we know, what do we say? You can't bring Kudshim where they'll likely have to actually become disqualified. So therefore, so basically, all the korban todas had to be brought by the thirteenth, right? Um, And then, um, and then, because there were so many, um, they were left overnight, and that's how they became Basul. But you would not be allowed to bring a korban toda on the fourteenth because you just have like an hour where you could basically eat the chametz, and so we didn't allow that at all. And then the Gemara goes on to basically describe other interpretations of what this pasul could mean. I just read the first one. Or maybe possibly that they were actually Rabbi Anai actually comes. His next thing is she wrote They actually, you know, they weren't actually pasul in that sense. But, you know, why were they called pasul? Um, and that maybe has to do with um, not nothing to do with Pesach, but actually was like a technical, right? That like something about how that korban toda wasn't brought correctly or the blood wasn't sprinkled correctly. And so those leds sort of had this in-between status where because the korban wasn't brought correctly, they couldn't actually be eaten, so they were pasul in that way. Not going to read the rest of that. When I'm always struck by, so I I think two comments. One was the first one I made about the sort of the special status and all the special halachot that pertain just to the 14th of Nisan. And the second is is that, again, and we have brought this up before, but it really struck me on this particular death. You know, when the Gemara is writing these things, you know, they are hundreds of years far removed from the Beit Hamikdash. And yet they write about it in real time, right? Like if you read this stuff, you would think this was still going on by the way that it was described. Um, And there's something actually very nice about it that it felt so real to them. They never started off by saying in the past when there was a Beit Hamikdash standing, it's like, no, this is like actually what should be, because this is actually the ideal state of what things should be For the Jewish people, and I think there's something so beautiful about that that it's always depicted that way. It's never really mentioned of like in the past when this was done, or in the future when we hope it will be done again. It's just I think I I think I actually
0: find it I don't know a little disconcerting. I think I like I think I fall into the pitfall of thinking that they're talking about then, meaning real, like in real time for themselves, even though I know that they're not. But I kind of like in my thinking about it, I think of them that way.
1: Exactly, it almost makes, you know like, like it almost. I think, think of them of sitting of
0: around now. eating the carbon pesach, even though that's not how it happened.
1: Right for hundreds of years, there's not even a single amora who's you know who saw it. That's what's amazing. But
0: they couldn't be right. Exactly, right. I know. But then like those the 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 text of the Haggadah, where it says that the five of them were sitting around, you know, t- telling over, and what they're doing is having a seder, which. Obviously, it was different from our Seder, but it was still a Seder that was, you know, memorializing or commemorating the Beit HaMikdash Pesach. But there's still something like, clearly, they were reading the Korban Pesach at that Seder, meaning, no, they weren't at all. But they're so, it's so vivid for them that it becomes vivid for me that it was vivid for them.
1: Exactly. It has a really vivid depiction to it. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Robin and Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talent Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and...